I read the both die at the end and it is a recommendation. I recommend you read the book. Then I shall do so for sure. Yes. You asked me when I posted it where I found this book. And I don't really remember. It was on Amazon. It was a chance find. I wasn't looking for it. The title was what stood out to me. They both die at the end. I don't know why, but that title captured me for sure. I was like, huh, it's an interesting title. And then I, I saw that it had amazing reviews. And I thought, ah, what the hell? I'll just buy it. And the premise is really cool and powerful. And it's this idea where in a not so distant future, this seems very current, like a world that's almost like now-ish, but you kind of know that it's maybe three years from now or something because they, they have this new thing as part of reality where for some mysterious reason, it's not explained in the book, even in the book it says nobody really knows how this happened or worked out. There is an, sort of an agency that knows the day of your death. And so there's this new service where you get, uh, there's this death cast and you get a death call. It's a notification and a call where they tell you, hey, we're sorry to inform you, but today is your last day. You're going to die today. They cannot tell you how you're dying. They cannot tell you way in advance, but basically they call you at midnight. They know the day off. And so you get a notification or call the day of your death and they notify you and tell you about it. And then they'll ask you, no, do you want to be cremated or do you, you know, what do you want to be the message on your gravestone? There's some services for people that are dying. People that are dying are called or that are living their last day are called deckers. I don't know why. Um, and so there's a bunch of service. There's a little world that is, like a, the world has kind of adjusted to that reality and that there is these, you know, every business has these massive discounts for deckers. You know, there's a... a online website that updates every day who got the call, like who's on the death list. And so you could go to all kinds of restaurants or places and get them either get stuff free or very cheap. There's these almost amusement park-like places where it's like, all right, you can't travel the world anymore, but there's this huge stadium where you can travel to different places that have these virtual versions of these places or all kinds of other stuff to entertain, like clubs that are only for Deckers to go and party their last day. And so the, the story follows two kids that get the call around midnight. One is 17, the other one is 18. And they are very different boys. One is a foster home, rougher upbringing, more of a street kid. And the other one is this super sensitive, super afraid of life, lived most of his life playing games and being online, reading stuff, but not having friends, not having many friends, not having interacted at all, not having lived, right? Being like super shy and just a homebody. And so it, it follows those two kids through their last day. And then they cross paths and become friends. And in the book, there's an app where people that are dying can try to find a person to spend the day with, right? And it could be somebody else that's a decker that's also dying today, or it could be somebody that registers to that app and goes, I want to spend a day with somebody that's dying to not be alone. So these two kids find each other, and then they live their last day together. And it's a beautiful, sweet book about coming of age, you know, growing up about grief and death, about coming to terms with death, about what it takes to truly be alive 
and live, about friendship, about change, and about love. And it's a super sweet story. And I think as I was reading the book, at some point I started thinking, this is a really amazing book to gift to a teenager. When you're like 15, 16, 17 years old, I thought this book could mean a lot and be kind of, it's it's the way it's written is very kind of coming of age, adolescent, like it's a it's filled with the challenges that young people have, figuring out who are they, how to live life, how to prioritize things, how to grow up, what life even means. But it's very kind of deep and beautiful. And I thought, oh, I, I purchased just an hour before we jumped on this call. I bought the German version of this book for my niece and my nephew who are 17, 18. And I thought, I'll give that to them. I think this is a beautiful book to read in that age. But I... I love the premise because it's about, like, it, it is a, a kind of a powerful idea to ask, what if you knew that today's the last day you have? You know, this premise of what if you only had 24 hours to live has been around forever. It's a powerful premise. How would you live your life if you knew it was limited? But there's a, a kind of an added interesting angle here of this idea that what if we had now this magical thing that now allowed us to tell people about their last day, tell all the people about their last day. And then how do you live that last day? Especially also if it's not, if it doesn't come as in with those two kids, they're not sick. It has not been like a long kind of process where they were expecting that call. It's too early. They're still very young. Both of them had tragedy in their life before the, the foster home kid had his parents and his sister die in an accident that he survived. And the other kid had his mother die at birth and his father being in a coma, so being alone. But how do you live that life, that last day, when you don't know how you're going to die as well? Like it plays with that wanting to live life, but being afraid that living life fully will cause your death as well. They're constantly in this dilemma of, should I walk across the street to go and meet my friend? Could that be the reason why I'm dying? Like there's all these things they want to do to use their time really well, but every single thing that is like living fully could be the very reason why they will die today. But then be staying at home. And, and the, the premise here is also that when you get the death call, you are going to die. Nobody, there's no known exceptions. Doesn't matter. People have tried all kinds of things to beat that, right? To be like, whatever, you know, lock themselves up and not move the entire day. But there's no way to escaping it. So staying at home, not going out, not doing anything will still most likely cause your death, but then it will really suck because you didn't do anything. You didn't see anybody with your last day. But then you know every little thing you do, every decision they make, I want to go and visit my father in the hospital, but fuck, you know, on the way there, whatever, there's traffic, there's all kinds of bad neighborhoods. Maybe when I'm there, I have to take the elevator. Will I die in the elevator? Like this imminent, every step of trying to really live fully is including the maybe this is going to be the very reason that kills me today, mm. which creates this beautiful metaphor for life where it's like if you really want to live fully, living fully every step of the way implies great risk to some degree, real or otherwise, like emotional or physical or whatever. But living fully almost isn't possible without risk. And so those ideas, I, I thought, I found the core idea of the book really powerful. 
unique, cute, although not that unusual. It includes a bunch of themes that have been around as long as humanity has been around, probably. But, but a different twist to it, which creates this interesting angle. And there's like many throughout the story, he weaves these other people in, and it's always whatever. It's 1 a.m. and 30, you know, 1.37 a.m. Matthew Johnson. Matthew didn't receive the call from Deathcast today. Because today is not going to be Matthew's last day. But then it goes on and these other characters all intertwine in each other's life in some way. and But still make either good or bad choice. At the end, in the book, it's heartbreaking because it's true. They both die at the end. So these two kids that obviously you get more invested in and you care about and that are more and more learning how to live fully and making really great choices together. And the meaning of their lives is increasing with every hour, and the stakes are increasing because they live so well. They both, in a very heartbreaking way, die at the end. Uh, there's no escape to that. But there's real beauty and real sweetness and a good amount of wisdom in it about how to live life. Right? And how also death plays into living life. Like the this inescapable verdict that we all have at birth is that we're all gonna die at least up to now we're not aware that anyone has ever survived life and but we all in various degrees don't think about death although it's a death sentence for all of us we push it away forget about it in many of our days we live as if we will live forever in how wasteful we are with life and it's a it's a protective mechanism Maybe because we're too afraid to really come to terms with death. And also in today's society, if you think about it, more so than ever, we've found ways to cast death out of society. There's these places we can put this. But we're not, most people today are not as intertwined with the older people in their lives, with their grandparents or grand-grandparents, they don't live with them. The family and the tribe is not living so closely that you see sickness and old age and death as you grow up as a child. Like I had the unique experience where as a child, both of my mother's parents, one after the other, but over a span of 11 years, lived with us during the last five, six years of their lives being very old and battling cancer. And so I saw, I had a good amount of death growing up because my grandfather died and then a year later my father died. But then also seeing my grandparents die and being old and being sick, it gives you a different, it can give you a different relationship to having exposure to death. But in today's society, most old people, most grandparents are not being taken care of in the home of their children, with their grandchildren. They, when you're sick, you're in a hospital. And when you're in old age, maybe you're in a foster care. And so the, those last years of life or battles of death and life and death, they happen in specialized places. They're away from the family and away from the core of the way we live life. So we have to think about them less because we're less confronted with them. And there's something, I think, really valuable in having a chance to come to terms with death, not fearing it, not glorifying it, right? not making death the center of all your decision-making, 
but not putting it away from your view and pretending it doesn't exist. So making choices if it's, as if death isn't something we'll have to tackle at some point. And also, what does it mean? This book touches on some themes, again, very sweetly in a very innocent adolescent way of what does not just death mean to you as the life about to die, but what does death mean to the people you leave behind? What, what does it mean? What do you do? This is an interesting fact in the book is that the people that are alive are not just alive or the people that get the death cast call don't just know that they're going to die today but you know they have now a full day maybe more or less death could come at any point in the 24 hours where they have to make choices on what do i do for me or what do i do for others for the people that i leave behind me and how much do i deal with the guilt of dying and leaving people behind versus my own fear of death and the guilt that others have because I am dying and they are still going to be alive tomorrow. And those are really important questions. Those are really, I think, meaningful questions that having chances to ponder those and grapple with them and come to terms with them, I think can matter deeply to how we live life. And I think never getting the exposure to get challenged by these questions and to have to deal with them could expose us and leave us feeling really naked and unprepared when death comes, either for us or for our loved ones, which it will, right? Everybody we love will die. We will die. So it is a very important question in life, how to think of it and live with it, with that fact. I think we're robbing ourselves of something really meaningful by not including death into life. And this book, at least in my reading, attempts in a nice way to raise some of these questions, but in a very, in a way that young, fairly innocent kids would think about them and have to grapple with them. So it's a nice, it's a, I might sound too morbid, I don't know, or too grave here, but the oh. book, the book is really sweet. It's very light read. Like I, I, I read this in three days. It's, it's an easy read. It's very light. It's very, it's not, tr it's not pretentious at all. It's just a, a young coming of age love story. But between the lines, there's a lot of, a lot of deep questions included and some beautiful, sweet truths, I think, included in the book. He got, I think the author is called Adam Silvera. I never heard of him before, but that doesn't mean much. But he, I think, wrote another book. So when I got the book and I took a good look at it at first, I thought, ah, oh, God damn it, they tricked me. Because I think when I saw the cover, I read Bold, Bold and Haunting, A Phenomenal Talent, you know, and a bunch of other like things like overflows with tenderness and heartache, sweetly devastating, passionately honest, breathtakingly human. I'm like, wow, this must be really good. And then when I got the book and I took a good look at it, these things were said about the author about his prior <laughs> book. You know? I'm like, uh, what the fuck? This is all praise for History is All You Left Me, which is like, I think, his most famous book. I'm like, wait a second. Did they just trick me into buying this? Because I thought they said these sweet things about this book, but they really said it about a different book. But as you can imagine, I just ordered History is All You Left Me, which is, I think, his most famous book. I'm like, well, if 
They both die at the end is so dope. And all these nice things they said is about this other book. Let me read that other book. The other thing that's funny, I can't help it. I think I have to get over this at some point. I'm, I'm getting over this right now, I think, is this since reading a lot more again in the last year, and especially since I started reading great writing, you know, not just like lots and lots of famous nonfiction books, but started reading fiction and novels and like great writers and great writing. I've established this. There's a couple of writers that are now my on my Mount Rushmore of writing. And any book I read, I kind of compare against that. And I go, <laughs> this is good, but it's not great writing. Or this is no, but it's not quite no. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and, and I, I, I'm getting over this because every, like most almost every book I'll ever read will not be on the Mount Rushmore of writing, just pure writing technique. It's very hard to write like Kafka or fucking Frank Herbert or any of these people. So when I was reading this at the beginning, I had many moments where I thought, wow, this is just written. It's okay, but it's not amazing writing. You know what I mean? Like the, the kind of writing that stands out as timeless, true, great, greatness. It's just really well written. And then at some point I was letting go of that and I thought, well, that can't be the that can't be the expectation for books that still can matter a great deal for me. And this book, this part, I think there's a snobbish part of me that my arrogant part that wants to judge everything that's not the best of the very best of the very best. There's a part of me that would have never talked about I would have never talked about this book because it's not a classic and mm -hmm. I would have felt I would have almost felt ashamed to recommend a book like this to you because I thought I would have thought he would read the first bunch of pages and be like, this is a book for a 12-year-old. Like, this is not great writing. Why is he recommending this shit? Stelly is clearly not as sophisticated as I thought. Imagine somebody pushing up their glasses. Oh, snobbish. This is clearly, he's clearly not as smart as I thought. That, 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 uh, okay. that image would have stopped me from talking yeah. about this kind of book publicly i'm like i'm only gonna talk publicly about books that are great or when people read i find i have a 90 percent inner guarantee that they will be impressed that i recommended this even if i read that book and i was like this is a book for 12 year olds i would be like but still you really loved it what am i missing there must be something <laughs> i mean we have a, a, a such a deep relationship now where I know that, you know, even if I recommended a book that you didn't love, that doesn't change how you see me, you know, yeah. our closeness. Yeah, and it, like would, thought, yeah. it, it wouldn't injure me. But back in the day, I didn't really separate. I was just, I'm only putting things out in the world where I have a very high degree of certainty that they will hit the note. I have the same with uh, with music. Sometimes I enjoy mm. a song. Well, I should share this with Steve, but ah, no, this is not musically artistic enough. Yeah, for yeah, <laughs> this is not great. I I started sharing with you songs where I was like, I know this. He's not gonna like this, but ah, whatever. It means something to me. I'll throw it over the fence. You can yeah. always just ignore it. Yeah. But yet we have these insecurities at times about things and how we want to be perceived. Oh, I definitely had them. But now, like, and even reading it, as I said, the, in the beginning. There was a, a part of me, the snobbish critical part, that wanted to say, this book will not be meaningful to you because it is not written mm -hmm. 
with the best writing that you've ever encountered. This will not be a classic that everybody will agree is the best book ever written in history. So it cannot have deep impact with you. And then I had to look at that part of me and go, that's not really true, dude. Like, this is good writing and it doesn't have to be the best writing. The story has something that compelled you. Let's just give this a chance and see what happens. And now I'm like, I'm really grateful I read the book because it was a very, it, it had a certain sweetness and innocence and it brought me back to a younger self. But it still hit such important, it did hit an important topic in my life right now, which is grief and death, but from a very different angle. And I'm like, wow, what a beautiful, this was a beautiful gift. This was like a beautiful, unexpected conversation that ended with a hug and a kiss that you just felt good about afterwards. You're like, oh, wow, I'm really glad I had this conversation with this person. And I'm pretty certain, like my my niece and my nephews, at this stage of their life, they're not really readers. They're not reading a lot of books. And there's a good chance that I'll gift all of them this book and none of them will read it. And then so be it. Like, I'm okay with that. But I had it in my heart. As I finished the book, I thought I this would have been an amazing book for me to read when I was 17. Wow, this I think this would have had great impact. Maybe I'm wrong. Who knows, right? But I had this kind of intuition that bubbled up. And then I thought, wow, I want to gift this book to my nephews and niece. Maybe I'll give this book when my kids are kind of at that age. And see, maybe, maybe is a really remarkable book for somebody, like a really great gift to give a young person. I like that I have that I had that thought. I guarantee you when I was reading Kafka, I was not thinking about gifting it to my nieces and nephews yeah, at 17 yeah, and 18. I'm like, oh, yeah, once you yeah. get in your 40s, I might entertain reading up Kafka, but <laughs> it's not really teenage reading material. But but this book is without it being cheap. Like it's really deep and really sweet and I think meaningful. So I'm really grateful that our, that I read it, that it found me, right? And that I found it. Yeah. It's always, it's also so funny because I had a whole week of suffering because I could not find a new book I was loving. Mm. And so I had all these starts and stops and I would start reading these books that I know I really want to read one day. And then after two pages, three pages, 20 pages, I would go, wow, but this is really work. I don't love this right now. And then I would stop, but I want to love something. So I had this... struggle the entire week that every morning every uh, like right now i basically read probably five hours six hours a day whoa yeah i read like the first hour or two in the morning and i read like three hours before i go to sleep three four hours like i read a lot i love it right i read a shit ton right now and now I have all these hours in the morning and evening and I'm like I don't have a book I can read <laughs> and so it's just real like real unpleasant <laughs> you know struggle that I was going through the week and I knew I'm like eventually I'll find a book but oh god it sucks uh and then on Friday I go to um to pick up my boys and the, I had ordered the book uh, to uh, their home and so I open the package and I look at the book and I go, ah, maybe I'll give this a try this weekend. Um, and so um, I'm glad I did. But then now, you know, now like instantly, I'm like, all right, I'm done with this book over the weekend. <laughs> Fuck, <laughs> I need a new book. 
but uh, but that's a problem for the next couple of days. But yeah, I really I uh, really liked it. I really love the premise. The idea I think is was a really strong idea. Um, cute, interesting, but lots of potential ways to go. Uh, I love that. I love the power of beautiful ideas. I'm, I was thinking about, okay, what was the last book that I read that I would usually not even talk about with Steady? Mm. And uh, I got it. It's it's the autobiography of Terry Crews. Do you know who Terry Crews is? No. It's the White Chicks, that movie where the two black guys... like Ah, uh, yeah, I know Terry Crews. So I got that, and I don't even know what made me get it, but I really enjoyed it. It's not written great, but it, it, it's a dope life story. So is it uh, is it the manhood how to be a better man or just live yes, life with one? Yes, yes, all right. Yes. Well, I know where you bought the book. He's there, like with roses, all smiling in a beautiful suit. You're like, <laughs> this could be the man of my dreams. I'll buy this book and read it. Um, that's dope. That is dope. You yeah. know what? I'm gonna give this a read. Maybe it's not for me, but if it is, yeah. it'd be a beautiful I'm not kind of ending this to you. But I do remember no. it's a lot about the relationship with his dad and this and, and this, this. It's a cool life story, you know. That is nice. Yeah. 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 And, you know, we also lack some context. This guy was an NFL player. I think he was a kind of more famous athlete before he became a kind of TV and movie star and whatever, whatever. Yeah. So yeah. interesting. He did some cool things. Like he was actually like a painter and a draw. A draw? <laughs> it was a draw. <laughs> he would put a lot of blankets in him, you know, when he was younger. And then he was like drawing paintings of the players to make money, and it's it's a cool story. All right, I'll give it I'll give it a shot and see what happens. I like my recommendation better, but then again, you're not recommending it. This is your non recommendation. Exactly, exactly. That is your non recommendation. Book that I would not recommend to you, (laughs) and that I would not even talk to you about because I think it's not for Steve. Yes, it's not. Now Um, I'll I'll read this and it'll change my life forever. It'll be the most important (laughs) book I've ever read. Wouldn't that be something? Like the full coming full circle. It would not be surprising. Surprising if you find true meaning sometimes in the most unexpected of places. 